Norfolk Southern is delivering a low carbon economy, which benefits everyone. We're providing customers a way to significantly reduce their supply chain transportation emissions and improve air quality in our communities. As the first class one railroad to offer green bonds, I can tell you, we're not just in the business of moving freight. We are in the business of a better planet. That there is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hello and welcome to Net Zero Carbon, the show at FreightWaves where we focus on information, insights around sustainability and transportation today. I'm joined by Paul Gross co-founder and CEO of Remora Carbon. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Um, we're glad to have you on and looking forward to learning more about Remora Carbon, but why don't we start with understanding a little bit about your journey? So I read a little bit of your bio, saw that you had gone to Yale and made a, a connection with Christina, one of your co-founders. Could you walk us through uh, a little bit about who you are and how Remora started? Sure. So I was just finishing up Yale and got really, really interested in carbon capture. You know, everyone says we have to do carbon capture in order to meet our goals as a world to reduce emissions um, fast enough. And I found Christina's dissertation online. She had investigated what would it take to capture carbon dioxide from the tailpipes of semi-trucks. And I just read it all the way through. I called her up and asked her a bunch of questions. And it seemed like a brilliant idea. So I convinced her to quit her job as a scientist at the EPA and come join me to start this company. And really, that's how everything got started with Remora. That's fantastic. I love to hear that sort of entrepreneurship just burgeoning in college because it was certainly not my story. <laughs> where? Uh, <laughs> how did you end up at Yale and where, where the passion for this initiative? So, I mean, I you know grew up in San Francisco. I went to a hippie middle school where we watched an inconvenient truth in science class. So climate change has been always on my mind and kind of at the forefront of something what I wanted to work on. Um, I thought that I would go into politics um, when I went to Yale, but I ended up just deciding that it would be easier to have a direct impact on climate change by starting my own company and just trying to bring a technology to market that I thought could have a huge impact. So. That's the direction I ended up going. But, you know, climate change is its just so pressing for me. I mean, I was in San Francisco last year when the sky turned dark orange because of the wildfires. Um, this is a, the challenge of our generation. And um, I can't imagine doing something else. It's just, I mean, there's just a huge uh, hurricane in New York and there's been flooding around the world. There's horrible wildfires. It's upon us. So I just feel obligated to do something. Absolutely. It is even for someone like myself, who's, you know, a decade or so ahead of you, I recognize the challenge and the trend as not abating. Right. And that's the goal. We want to abate this trend and figure out how to at least slow it down. And looking back to your middle school years, I look back to mine. I was on the show last week talking about how my son's soccer practice here in Nashville was canceled because of, you know, heat in August. And, you know, whether we have more data now or the problem is more real now. You know, my seven-year-old practices for myself were not canceled, or at least I don't remember them being. So it's it's interesting that um, we're seeing so many more young entrepreneurs kind of rise up as this challenge becomes more and more pressing. 
And this industry specifically, I think, needs that because we typically are, you know, an aging industry in the freight and logistics space. I think the stat is something like 15% of railroad employees are retiring in the next five years. So we're seeing a need for younger um, workforce to get involved in freight and logistics. Where do, do you think that's going to happen because of companies like Remora? Like, are you guys looking, what, what's the goal with Remora to inspire change in this sector? Well, that's the hope. I think a lot of young people are feeling the urgency of the challenge of climate change and want to be involved in some way um, decarbonizing um, you know, America's emissions. And freight and logistics just provides such a huge opportunity for decreasing those emissions. So we want to try to get as, as many young people involved as possible with what we're doing, bring them in to solve this really hard problem, which is how are we going to reduce the emissions from the trucks that basically haul almost every good that we purchase and that we have around us. Absolutely. That's brilliant. How did you go from reading a dissertation at Yale on the freight sector and decarbonization of tailpipe emissions to moving forward and actually launching your own company? Now, what was that process and journey like? Well, the, so that happened, you know, just over a year ago. And since then, one of the biggest things that we did was we went out and found a third co-founder, Eric. So Christina's background is environmental engineering. She's the you know, world expert on the carbon capture technology we're using, but we needed a mechanical engineer to build the device, someone who knew a lot about trucks. So we spent months searching for the right person. And we found Eric, who had a decade of experience as a diesel semi-truck mechanic. He got his bachelor's and master's the University of Michigan. He then built hydrogen fuel cell and battery electric semi-trucks for some of the world's largest automotive companies. Um, so he came on board as a great complement to Christina's background as a scientist at the EPA. And that's how the team got together. And since then, we've raised $5.5 million and signed up uh, many of the largest companies in the country, 16 multi-billion dollar companies for pilots, including nine Fortune 500 companies, um, a couple of the Fortune 10, and some of the largest trucking companies in the country, like Ryder, Werner, ArcBest, um, NFI. And um, we're piloting with them in January. So really, we've been just trying to move as fast as possible from that initial concept to getting pilot units on the road. And it sounds like you're moving at a breakneck speed. That's fantastic. I mean, $5 <laughs> million dollars in the first year and some of the names, you know, Y Combinator and Lower Carbon are not small names in the in the sustainability investment world. They must clearly see a lot of promise for this technology. Maybe you could start there and share with us a little bit more about, you know, how does Remora work? Sure. So we build a device that captures the carbon emissions from a semi-truck. So our device, you can picture it like a big panel that mounts on the back of the tractor right between the tractor and the trailer. It attaches to the tractor's tailpipes, and then it captures at least 80% of the tractor's carbon emissions. And the driver offloads the carbon dioxide while they refuel. And then we take the carbon dioxide and sell it to concrete producers or greenhouses or other end users. And we're able to share the revenue from the carbon dioxide back with the owner of the truck so we can help big fleets dramatically reduce their carbon emissions, meet their climate commitments, and earn this whole new stream of revenue from the carbon dioxide at the same time. That's fantastic because it's tying together several other uh, sort of tangential businesses into one specific use. And it seems like there's already infrastructure in place in many cases where this would not be 
a difficult either aftermarket addition or something that's happening at the point of purchase. And then the back end commercialization is something that just gets rolled up and the, the fleets get to share in sort of a market they've never really touched before. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, exactly. We're retrofitting onto existing diesel trucks so that we don't need to replace every single truck on the road right away. And we're able to dramatically reduce those existing trucks' carbon emissions. And that's exactly right. Right now, we're releasing that carbon dioxide into the air. If we capture it and purify it, we can then turn it into a valuable product. And those fleets can share in the value of that product that we're creating. That's amazing. One of the things that I found, Paul, that you probably understand at this point, having worked in and around a lot of this industry, is that typically downstream users of the transportation fuel are not historically as aware of the makeup of the emissions in the upstream fuel supply mix. So my previous role was working to sell biofuels to some of the largest oil and gas companies in the world who are really just now publicly starting to mobilize around decarbonizing their fuel supply chains, right? Whether that's carbon capture at the refinery or whether that's introducing lower carbon alternatives as a mix, right? Increased biofuels and things like that. I really joined FreightWaves because I want to see the downstream users, the fleet operators and the shippers do what they can to really solve this problem. And it seems like Remora would be, you know, a great lever that many fleets would be able to pull at a cost point that's probably less of a green premium than other, you know, alternative fuels today. Where does that comparison come in place for a fleet looking at your solution? Fleets that implement our solution can actually make money. So they break even on the device in two to three years, and then they start to earn a new revenue stream from the carbon dioxide that we're capturing. Um, So that's the reason that a lot of folks are jumping on board. It's this dual outcome where you get to reduce your emissions and you get to earn a little bit of extra revenue from the carbon dioxide we're selling. The other cool thing is that our solution actually pairs with a solution like biofuels. So it's not either or. If we put a biofuel in that truck and then capture those emissions, we can even make the truck carbon negative. So we could start you know, driving the world's emissions backward and taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere by driving these trucks around. That would be a fantastic solution. We need more of that. <laughs> That's the hope. <laughs> so how do we go? How do we go from you know a startup outside of Detroit with a bunch of you know commercial agreements to tackling three million trucks on the road? Well, we're going to need to scale up our manufacturing capability. Um, luckily, we're working with a fantastic manufacturer in the Detroit area um, that works with GM and Ford and the Defense Department. So they're standing, you know, ready and waiting to manufacture many, many units for us. Um, and it's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be challenging, of course. But one of the things that we're excited about is that this is one of the most scalable approaches to carbon capture. We can just turn a modular unit off of an assembly line, works on any truck, and you know we can build many, many of them um, without a lot of upfront capital expenditure. We can also build out the network of offloading stations for carbon dioxide much more quickly um, than you could with electric charging stations or hydrogen refueling stations. It's just several orders of magnitude cheaper. These are off-the-shelf the, off CO2 tanks that we can just plop on the ground and we're good to go. Uh, so we think this is going to be able to scale relatively quickly. Um, and that's one of the reasons we're excited about the solution. Fantastic. On the end use side, at the offload side, 
Um, who are the partners that you guys get to work with? Are these, you know, truck stop operators that you're able to go negotiate kind of nationwide footprint deals with? Or how do you guys start to tackle that end of the equation? To start, we're installing offload tanks at our customers' distribution centers, and they are doing round trips and offloading at the end of the day. As we scale up, we will start to work with truck stop operators who will be able to work with us to install these uh, offload tanks at their truck stop. And the goal is to allow trucks to refuel and offload their CO2 at the same time. So the offloading process is straightforward and very fast. It's just five minutes um, and the truck just pulls up, attaches a hose. It's like refueling in reverse. So we want to make that as easy as possible for the driver. And eventually that will mean installing these offload tanks at truck stops all around the, the country. Okay. And when it's offloading, it's pulling it off in a gaseous state, right? Yeah. So the carbon dioxide in our device is in a gaseous state, um, compressed. And then when it's offloaded, it goes into a much larger bulk tank and becomes refrigerated and liquefied. Okay. How does this solution become global? Because it seems like the market should not just be, you know, captive trucks here in America, right? This is a global problem we're trying to tackle. That's our goal. So there's a big opportunity in the U.S. alone. You know, uh, semi-truck emissions account for 5% of the U.S.'s entire carbon footprint, which is just crazy. Um, that is just an incredibly outsized impact we could have just by scaling here. And that's hundreds of millions of metric tons of CO2 captured every year. But you're right. Globally, there's a much bigger problem. Trucks are all over the world. And in many parts of the world, the grid won't be able to support electric trucks for the next century, if ever. Um, so we are really excited about implementing our solution there. And we do plan to expand beyond the U.S. in the next couple of years. I think the other thing to mention is that mobile carbon capture is not a solution that just works for semi-trucks. It could also work for other forms of long-haul heavy-duty transport like locomotives um, and cargo ships, which are also huge emitters. And we're excited to start working on those applications as well. That's exciting, but it also seems like a much different scope of challenge when you're talking about the size of tanks and equipment needed to be added on, which brings me a question I did want to ask on, you know, um, trade-offs for fleets. What's the, what's the weight component of this sort of add-on to the tractor that fleets are going to have to carry around with them? This device is big and heavy. It's, it's huge. It's like a big panel that goes on the back of the truck. So it's seven feet by eight feet. It takes up the entire back of the tractor and, you know, ex extends it by a bit. So, you know, we're capturing almost a ton of carbon dioxide when the truck just runs 600 miles. So we're talking about a unit that weighs 3,200 pounds empty and then 5,000 pounds fully loaded. That's what we can do right now. But in the future, you know, with any technology, you're able to, you know, the computer started the size of a room and got down to a laptop. And we'll see a similar progression here where our device gets smaller and lighter over time. And even then, when you're talking about maybe 5,000 pounds of, of cargo trade-off, you're getting paid for that, right? So it's something you, that you, you get to start are. understanding, you know, the yeah. trade-off between um, capacity utilization relative to revenue streams that fleets should be pretty compelling, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we're seeing many of the country's largest trucking companies sign up to use this technology. They've done the math and clearly, you know, it makes sense as a solution for them. And I think the other thing that we're seeing is, 
The alternative is to add 15 or 20,000 pounds of batteries to a truck in order to get this kind of range. So when you put it that way, it's kind of, this is a lightweight solution to get the same emissions reduction. Absolutely. You might even start to throw down as an alternative use case or customer case on the carbon side would be, you know, what shippers could benefit from having the trucks that pull up to their dock refuel whatever CO2 use they may have? Absolutely. Just give me credit when you go down that road. That one sounds interesting. <laughs> uh, absolutely. No, I mean, we're, we're so excited to turn the CO2 back into fuel, um, which would be, you know, great circular solution. And um, that's something that we're, we've already gotten the works and we'd like to start scaling up as we have a larger volume of captured CO2. Definitely. Where are you at with the team and scaling up? You know, what's next for you building out um, who needs to be on board to build the solution out? We're at 15 people right now, and we're definitely growing the team as fast as we can. Um, we're always looking for talented mechanical engineers, chemical engineers, mechanics, um, you know, electrical engineers, um, computer engineers, folks that are excited about climate change and, and tackling this huge problem that we're facing and want to get involved building the solution. Um, so that's one area. And then we'll also be building out our operations team. So people that have background or interest in operations and strategy uh, and finance, we're also going to be hiring some folks in that category. So if people are interested in getting involved, there are going to be opportunities. And the best way to, to get involved is to sign up for updates on our website. And that's where we share you know, opportunities to jump on board first. Perfect. And that's remoracarbon.com? That's right. RemoraCarbon.com. And then if you want updates, it's RemoraCarbon.com slash updates. Now, if you're a fleet interested in the solution, is that the same update location that they should go to? They can email us at hello at RemoraCarbon.com and we'll get back to them very quickly. Um, you know, That's the best way to get in touch. Fantastic. Anything else on the horizon for the balance of the year? Any attendance planned at COP26 or any other large events that, <laughs> that people should be paying attention to for news releases? Um, nothing nothing as of yet, um, but we do have some things in the works. Mostly, we're just staying super heads down, focused on getting those first pilots on the road in January. That is so exciting. I'm thrilled to hear about this solution. It's a unique strategic offering that meets the industry where they're at today instead of a lot of the head in the cloud solutions that require some breakthroughs or um, certainly scale that we don't have today. So I really hope to have you back on the show sometime early next year so we can get some results from those pilots, see what's going on with you and Remora. So let's tell our listeners to stay tuned and we'll check back you know, early 2022 on that. That sounds great. I'd if anybody to wants to talk to you directly, Paul, um, LinkedIn, what's the, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, they can just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Um, you know, feel free to reach out at the hello at address and you know, I can get back to you. Hello at remorecarbon.com. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you for carving out some time getting out of the shop in Michigan where you guys are making magic happen. We wish you nothing <laughs> but the best and, and that you get to come back on the show again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Take care, Paul. Thanks. Norfolk Southern isn't just in the business of moving freight. They're in the business of a better planet. To learn more about Norfolk Southern's industry-leading sustainability initiatives, go to nscorp.com slash better planet.